Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Uh, Each session, each week builds on the next. And uh, I'm really excited. You know, I say that each episode, but uh, I'm really excited about my guest today. Uh, For those of you who are entrepreneurs, those of you that have a vision, those of you that want to manifest big things in your life, this episode is for you. Those of you that have a dream, uh, those of you that maybe you've been told that it wasn't possible or you want to do something that's never been done before, this episode is for you. Uh, It's going to be a little different than our typical episodes. Uh, You know, we bring on people from health and relationship and and, uh, help to help you find your purpose also and, and spiritual teachers. Today, I'm bringing someone on who isn't simply an author or talks a good talk or teaches. He's someone who I think it's fair to say has lived uh, the principles and has manifested uh, in his life. So he's a practitioner of the game. Uh, This man is, to me, is an icon, uh, a legend. It's fair to say he's, uh, it's a wreck to riches story. He's known as the godfather of urban streetwear. Uh, finds himself uh, as a visionary. For those of you that are maybe into fashion, if you're not, uh, do you remember where the sort of baggy jean concept came out? Everyone was wearing baggy jeans. Uh, I grew up in London and we all started wearing baggy jeans at age you know, 12, 13. This is the guy who was responsible for that. Um, he also was the first designer to host a fashion show at the White House. Uh, he's responsible for a lot of the hip hop street culture apparel aesthetic. And uh, he's a legend. He's a legend. Welcome to the conversation, Carl Kanai. Carl, welcome. My brother, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on today. It's great to be here, man. I've been looking forward to this conversation, salivating on this conversation. And uh, so much I want to ask, so much I want to break down and be able to share with folks listening in. You know, uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. And so... Listen, for those that, you know, may not know your background, especially uh, uh, my community, you told me a bit of your story, but I would love for you to, to share a bit of your story. I mean, you know, you're in fashion, obviously, and you've built a lot of things, but uh, you were telling me that it wasn't like you grew up in fashion. I mean, how does, how does a kid from Brooklyn, you know, Costa Rica, was it get into fashion? I mean, how did what was that evolution? Tell me about the... Uh-huh. beginnings of Carl Kanai and how you, how you, how you started. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wild story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, as you said, um, I was born in Costa Rica. Um, my dad's Panamanian and mm. my mom, my dad decided to move to the States back in the early seventies. Um, my dad came up first before my family to, set up a business and to get housing for us. And then he sent for us to come. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my dad's a very fashionable guy, so he liked his clothes a certain way. So he used to get his clothes made by a tailor because mm-hmm. he was very specific as to what he wanted to wear. So I used to go with him to Delancey Street, Manhattan, and watch him buy his fabric and bring it back to our Haitian tailor named Jack and Flatbush, and the tailor used to make his clothes for him. So my dad was always fresh. Mm-hmm. And he was mm. fresh because he had his own style. So that's what that was my first intake into fashion. That I kind of saw the process of how you could actually make clothing mm. without really knowing how to sew. My dad just had good ideas, and he surrounded himself with people who knew how to sew and pattern makers. So mm. that was my first mm. step into realizing that you can make your own clothing. And that's what really 
started to inspire me to starting to later on down the line just decide to make my own clothes. Mm. But I mean, how does it go from that to like actually creating something and then, you know, starting a fashion line? I mean, that's, that's a big, I mean, a lot of people maybe say, oh, I'll just design this at, at the tailors, uh, at my tailor, make my own clothes at home. But it became a full-fledged business. So what was that transition? What, what was the impetus? Were you, were, was there a moment where you thought, you know, I, I could, I could, I could really make something out of a business out of this. Was there a moment? Was there a shift? Like what occurred? Yeah. What was that yeah, moment? Definitely. Well, you know, I would say the moment started early from a, a teenager, preteen, mm. you know, my mom, and my dad divorced when I was in the fourth grade. So at that time, me and my mother and my sister ended up moving to East New York, Brooklyn, in the projects. And prior to that, we were living in a middle-class neighborhood in Flatbush, a uh, mixed neighborhood. So the lifestyle was sort of different. When, when we moved to the projects, I was very excited to go meet all the kids. And um, the first day, we unpacked the boxes. I was rushing to go outside because I seen all the kids hang out in the shopping center. So I was really happy to go meet them. So I went out there and I put on whatever clothes my mother had for me. And when all the kids saw me, they started looking at me and they was like, uh, are you that new kid from the A section? I'm like, yeah. So I'm excited. I'm thinking we're about to go play. He's like, man, what kind of sneakers you got on? I said, hmm. um, I don't know. These are skips. I at that time, I was thinking about clothing. And they started looking at my clothes. He's like, man, those clothes are whack, man. Um, don't come around here with that. Those clothes are garbage, but we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't get down like that around here. Man, I was in shock. Wow. To be honest, with you. I wow. I've never experienced that before. I didn't know what they were talking about, but I went home and I told mm-hmm. my mom. I said, "Mom, look, these kids are making fun of my clothes. I need some money to buy some mm-hmm. clothing because they said my clothing mm-hmm. is whack. And matter of fact, they said you bought my clothes from the grocery store. Mom, are you buying my stuff? From oh the my god! Mother's gonna ask. She says, "Boy, let me tell you something." You better go out there and find yourself a job if you want clothes. You get one pair of sneakers for the year. You're lucky you get that. My mother's from the island. Wow. Don't play around. So, you mm. know, at that point, I had a decision to make. I knew what I wasn't going to do. What I was not going to do is go back out there to that mall again, hang out with those kids mm. and get disrespected like that. So I went out and I found me a newspaper route. I, I see this newspaper truck. I seen this young kid go up to the truck. I thought he was working. I asked him, what's going on here? He says, hey, I'm delivering mm-hmm. newspapers. Actually, they need, a, they need a new paper boy if you want a job. I was like, anything, mm-hmm. sign me up. The guy was like, okay, you got to get up at 5.30 in the morning and deliver these papers because you have to get there before, you got to get to these people's houses before they go to work. I said, I'll do mm-hmm. anything. So I got me a newspaper route. And I remember I got my first uh, check from them. It was like 40 something dollars for the first week. I went right to the flea market. I bought me some Pumas, a campus short <laughs> set, all white, nice. right? But I went, I went, now I'm nervous. I'm at home. And I put these clothes on, right? And I, I had to go back to this mall again where all the kids are, right? So I said, okay, I'm mm. nervous. I'm walking out to the mall. And it's almost like it was deja vu. All the same kids in the same spots they were prior. And they were like, mm. looking me up and down. It was like, ah, shorty got the white on white plumes. Oh, with the canvas. Oh, cool. Yo, mm. that feeling, feeling accepted meant everything to me. And then I realized, mm. wow, fashion makes you feel like this? I, I never felt wow. like this before. And now I knew how fashion makes you accepted in the hood. And it didn't matter mm. if dudes ain't had no money in their pockets, whatever. They had to look fresh. They had to, to quote from head to toe. And that's when I realized that fashion was my calling. That's when I decided mm. that I want to start making clothes with my dad's tailor because I wanted to be different than all these other kids because we all used to try to shop at the same stores and get money. But Anytime we found something fresh, we never told each other where we got it from because we all wanted to be fresh and don't want, don't want anybody else wearing the same outfit. So I said, if I make an outfit in my tailor, nobody would have it because we be unique and was fresh. And that was the first step for me into getting into the fashion game. Mm, I love that. I love that. Did you always know when you, when you started? Like, did you always have a sense like you were going to be it was going to go global in the way it did and it was going to have such an impact or was, as it was happening, 
were you surprised? Were you like, oh shit, this is blowing up? Like, what was that like? Was it just, no, yeah, as a matter of fact, I knew yeah. this was going to happen. No, no, no. I didn't know anything was going to happen. But what I knew oh. was that once I started on this journey and this road, that this was it for me, that I wasn't going to fail. That I knew. I didn't know how big mm. it was going to get. I didn't know anything. But I knew I'm not going to fail at this. I knew I'm going to mm. give this 110%. And we moved to California mm. to set up shop out here because we needed manufacturing for the clothing line. I knew this was my destination and I never looked backwards. Even when great things happened for me, it didn't move me in any direction because we we're on a mission. And a mission today yeah. is still the same where it was back then. We don't think, we just do. And if good things come along mm. the road, you accept it, you just keep focused, narrowed in. If you get too happy on any one success, you may feel like I've made it. Mama, I've made it. Mm. Sometimes you should never get that feeling like I've made it because Sometimes when you think you made it mentally, you're going to slow the pace down as to your drive and your hunger and things like that, what you need to go. So we understand the rules of those type of things like that. We always keep our straight focus to the destination. Mm. And we're, we're nowhere near our final destination, by the way, so you know that. Mm, I love that. So how do you, yeah, I figured the question. How do you start, because, you know, as you start achieving uh, in those initial stages, levels and levels and levels of success, um, I'm just wondering how you stop from getting arrogant, complacent, because lots of people say, okay, you know, just you've got to stay focused on the journey. But, but, you know, there are traps of success. And we see, I think a lot of people become successful and we see them fall. And, you know, I know 30 years, you're, you're still around, Carl. And so, uh, and thriving. And so like, what was the secret that, that, that kept you in reality, not getting complacent, not getting arrogant, and, and, and just continuing. I mean, it's a very almost Zen uh, philosophy that you're talking about. You know, don't get too happy, don't get too attached to happiness, and just stay on your path. I, I really like that. But uh, can you can you share a bit about that? I mean, it, I remember yeah, telling you, like, yeah. people like Tupac yeah, and like... Biggie Smalls and all these cats were wearing your clothes. I mean, some Puff Daddy, I mean, like, legends. And so talk to me. You know, I feel like in life, don't give yourself too many options. It's either A or B. It's either you're going to get the W or you take the loss or take the L. It's one or two. So and you always got to be afraid of something. You Something has to, like, make you, get you up in the morning because the bed could be your worst curse at times. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you got to learn how to mm-hmm. get up out of there and get going. You know what I mean? Like, something has to motivate mm. you. Even mentally, sometimes I set myself up with something I don't like or a competitor I don't like, that'll be enough to get you going. Like, you know, like you got to always, your mind is your biggest enemy at times. It can be your biggest yeah. enemy at times because it can either go here or there. And when I say uh, give yourself any options, that means like either you can get the W or not. You know, like mm. my fear is failure. My fear is going back to where I came from. My fear is feeling those emotions of seeing your mom not able to get things and not able to give you the things that you want. That feeling used to get in your stomach that you don't want to ever feel again. You know what I'm saying? So like, mm. if God gives you the ability, he gives you two arms, two legs, you could see you have no excuse. You know how many people would love mm. to have that ability if you don't have it, but you could find a way to mm. make an excuse just because, you know what I'm trying to say? So like, mm, mm, you have to always go. It's always go time. And you know what? It's mm, go time, but you enjoy your life at the same time. But you know, that morning yeah. period is everything. That morning period is everything. You know what? Sometimes people could be able to sleep in a bed to 12, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, I don't know how that right. works. I don't, I, don't, right. I don't know how that works. Sometimes I'm envy. I'm like, wow, mm. how do you do that? How do you do it? Doesn't mm. your mind just click in the morning and get you worried about something? No, nigga, I'm worried. Mm. Not, I don't, I don't say necessarily know if the word is worried, but I'm motivated to get into the grain of success, to get into the energy level of success. Mm. As you sleep, the world is keeping continue to go. You got to join the flow it's at turning. some point. You know what I mean? It's not going to yeah. wait for you. Yeah. It's not going to wait for you. And anyway, mm. hold on, hold on. Call mm. sleeping. Just wait for him to wake up. Mm-hmm. We're going to stop everything with joy. Call sleep. Okay? 
No. Mm. It's going to keep going. Mm. You know what will happen at some point. The competitors will jump all on your stuff and take what you thought yeah. you had. And you won't have it anymore. Feel me? Mm. I love it. Time time waits for no man, man. Time keeps ticking away. Mm. Time doesn't care. Time mm. is just neutral. If a man could show me a way how to elevate time to wait for you, I'll pay him a billion dollars. <laughs> the, the most precious commodity. So when you first start, you know, you, here you are, this cat, young cat, you, you know, you, 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 you're just beginning following something inside your soul. Um, you know, we're talking about fear. And uh, so many people have dreams, Carl, as you know, and I'm sure you've heard it. So many people talk a good game. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I want to do this. This is my dream. And they don't do anything. You know, they don't take the action. They don't, they don't go for it. And so you went for it. And, and, I'm, and I'm wondering, did you feel fear? Because you were, it wasn't like now where there's so many, I mean, you did something, you were a pioneer and you did things that had never been done before as sort of, you know, urban streetwear, urban wear, you know, hip hop, uh, apparel. There was no industry before, you know, Fat Farm and, you know, Jay-Z, and Kubu, and all of those companies, uh, you were the guy. So there wasn't like a trail that was blazed for you. It was like you're going into the forest by yourself. And so h- how did you deal with, did you feel fear? How did you deal with fear? Uh, if fear arose, what did you do? Uh, I- I'm-, I'm really curious about that. Yeah, I think that, not I think, I know a big part of it was growing up where we grew up at. The biggest blessing I mm-hmm. could have had is when my dad left and we ended up moving to the inner city in Brooklyn. Inner city living, inner city lifestyle was the best college that I've ever had. It teaches you things that college can never teach you. It doesn't teach you, it doesn't teach you to fear. It teaches you how to deal with every situation that comes your way because you have no other option but to deal. You know what I'm saying? No other mm-hmm. option. You got to deal. Mm-hmm. Our biggest, you know, growing up, as we got money, we used, to, we used to have to go to Delancey Street to go buy clothing, right? Mm-hmm. The challenge we had to go through it, this is at 12, 13, 14 years old, it was getting robbed or getting shot coming home with those clothes you just purchased. We had to go through wow. all these ghetto neighborhoods to get home. We had to go through Bed-Stuy, Brownsville, and, and, and the gunners was out there. You got shopping bags in your hand, you little shorty kid? They, wanted, they want what's in your bag. You know, they would do come up to you and say, yo, what, kind of, what size shoes you wear? You know what's about to happen. Mm. Whatever size you tell him, that's mm. going to be his size. You feel me? So, like, those mm. are the things, those are the grinds we have to deal with at that young age. And so I figured, mm. like, just growing up in the city just taught you so many different things. And to the end of the day, it's almost like, to the end of the day, it's almost like when you enter the business world, right, and you look at business mm. people, and you look at what you got to go through business, and you be like, yes. I have to go through this in business. Look what I have to go through in the, in the city growing up. Man, this is nothing. This is right. money right here. If that's my, this one, right. I got to deal with this? Really? I ain't got to worry about getting shot. I ain't got to worry about getting robbed. Well, you can get robbed mm. in the business for sure. But, you know, a physically mm. being robbed and things like that. So almost like it toughens your skin to the point where it's like, I ain't never mm. going back. If this is all I got to deal with, mm. I ain't going back to that. I'm going to work hard and hustle hard because... Now you don't have any other options but to win. You feel me? So it's all mental. Yeah. All mental. So yeah. when people come up in the industry, yeah. I sometimes think it's a blessing. You know, they have that saying in New York, you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And you can survive yes. in the city and not getting killed and not going to jail mm. and not, not doing so many things that happen to a lot of people. You got something going for yourself. You just got to apply that mentality and take that same mentality mm. to the business world, see where it could take you. Mm, I love that. That that's a deep level of you know committedness as well that I'm hearing. In terms of success, um, when you were also in that beginning stages, uh, you were you know building your business, building your brand. Uh, was there like I don't know? Was there something you did? Was there like a breakthrough was 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 there like something like if you could give people a code if there was like a code you know like what's the secret because I think when people haven't achieved a certain level of success or they haven't cracked through they're wondering like what's the code and so it feels like you cracked the code and 
I wanted to share the number, the digits, the, 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 the code to success that you crack. Like what, like what's the truth? You know, a lot of people are talking about it. It's philosophy, but you did it and, and you figured it out. And, and so what are some of the elements that you saw in reality that was ne- necessary components if someone listening to this conversation, like they want to really be successful for real, from your real experience. Like here's what well, people, here's like the yeah. things you need to know. Maybe yeah. shit that other people won't say, but like this yeah. is really the reality. I will tell you this, and I live by this. If you can't see it, you can't be it. Meaning like oh. you can never get to where you're going if you don't know where you want to be. Meaning that mm. everybody wants to be successful. Everybody wants to have a Rolls Royce. Everybody wants to have a million dollars in the bank. But not everyone's going to get that. Nothing is given to you. You got to have a plan. And you got to execute. And I say to people all the time, sometimes the road to the top could be, could be perceived as being a little bit lonely. When I say that, mm. I mean that you can't expect all your homies and all your friends and everybody to get your vision and understand where you're going. So a lot of times it's people that are around you and they don't do it intentionally. It's just an energy thing. You're sitting there trying to explain to them your vision, explain to them this, because sometimes people need, need reassurance of what they're doing. They want people to say, oh man, yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, I love that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But if you need, if you continuously need that fulfillment, that, that's dangerous territory mm-hmm. right there. You have to be able to believe in yourself first and believe in yourself every day live this dream every night i used to go to bed i used to think about success the first thing in the morning i think about is success i think about my day think about how i'm going to do this i don't think about my friends i don't think about the problems they have i don't think about gossip i don't think about like you know who did this in the media yesterday like all that stuff is irrelevant all that stuff ain't getting you towards your goal like you got to have like a focus like you got to have like a, 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 a arrow a target on the wall and I'm going to get to that target mm. no matter what. And anybody that comes mm. in my lane, if you're not helping me get to that target, you know what I'm going to do? It's very simple. It doesn't mean you hate this person. It doesn't mean you can't talk to this person. You just, get them, you just put them on a mental timeout for the moment. That's all it is. You still love them, mm. but right now, bro, mm. I need to get here. And if you're not helping me get there, I ain't gonna, and then I don't even tell them these things because people could take that in all types of ways. You tell them, like, yo, yeah, I got to call you. No, you don't verbalize that. But mentally, Mm. inside of you, you know, I need to get there. That's why I say it could be perceived as kind of lonely because if you have to engage your energy, listen, there's 24 hours in a day. People say you sleep six, eight hours. You have 16 left. What you going to do with that 16, bro? You know what I'm saying? You got 16. Mm -hmm. How are you going to make it count? If you spend four hours talking about gossip, you're down to 12. If you you spend another Mm. four talking about family issues, you know what I'm saying? You're down to eight. It's on you. Mm-hmm. What you gonna do with it? What you gonna do? Mm-hmm. And that's why success is not meant for everyone because not everybody could channel right. that. Not everybody's willing to do that. You know what I mean? And I'm just telling you my road. Every, other people's yes. road could be kind of different. I know how I did it and what I had to go through mm-hmm. and the mental capacity, what it took from a black kid in the city of mm-hmm. Brooklyn, right? No one ever before me. We call ourselves the Godfather originated streetwear because that's a fact. There's no one, yes. no one in this world could ever tell you, you know what, Carl? Nah, bro, you didn't start street where this person did it. I would prove mm. you wrong in two seconds. It ain't factual. It mm. ain't true. It didn't mm. happen. There was no mm. blueprint. We were just kids from the street mm. trying to make some clothing, and we were very aggressive. We saw MTV. We, see, we, saw hip, we saw our own people on MTV wearing clothing. We were like, yo. They need to be wearing my brand. Why do you wear any other brand? So what we did, we went out and got every rapper that we knew. And then we, we found a way to get in contact with them, wear our clothing on MTV to give us that exposure that we needed. We took no short. Mm. It was locked in, straight drive. It's going to happen no matter what. If it didn't happen, we ain't sleep until it happens. Just that simple. And we wow. did it when we were young. Because when you're young, you got all the energy in the world. You know what I'm saying? We're doing legal business. Legal business. We're going to make this thing happen no matter what. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it. So many questions. So, so yeah, no options. I mean, I'm just, I'm hearing like all in. And so how do you, um, cause a lot of people, I think what stops them too is, is, is their friends and, you know, wanting other people's approval as you're talking about validation and 
please like me, Carl, you know, don't think bad of me. And, 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 I, and I always say, look, sometimes when you're on a party, you have a vision or you're a leader, not everyone's going to like you. In fact, I think if everybody likes you all the time, probably doing something wrong. And so how do you deal with, because you're in a creative you know, industry and your stuff is out there, you're out there. Hey, lots of people are going to have their opinions about Carl Kanai and his, 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 his uh, you know, line this season and his clothing and this, and some are going to love it, some aren't going to love it. It's just what it is. And so how do you uh, get over the sort of, you know, we're human, right? And, and so this need for, or this desire for wanting people's validation, do you just not give a shit? Do you just not care? I mean, h- how do you get to the point where you can be free inside of yourself to just say, this is who yeah. I am. This is what I'm going to create. This is what I'm going to put out into the world because so many people don't put their gifts, whether it's a book or whatever, you know, a, a piece of art, they don't because what will people think? Speak to that. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to get to that point where you just don't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I, I mm. say these things, but you don't verbalize that type of language. It's all mentality mm. inside. You know what I mean? Like, and again, there's other people that may do it do differently than me. There's other people that are a lot more boisterous about things like that. I just internalize things, but you never give people what you're really feeling inside because your inside is your drive. You know, you don't want anyone to mess with that space because your drive is all you hmm. got. You know, I tell people a lot of times, you know, sometimes the best things, the best gifts in life are free, right? What I mean by that is hmm. like, okay. Imagine if only rich people could buy thought. Imagine if to think cost, right? Imagine like you couldn't think of any ideas, you couldn't think of anything because it costs money to think. So only rich people could could get things because mm. they have money to think. You know, thought is mm. free. So imagine what happens mm. to a kid from the inner city that has free thought and no fear. You know what could happen? Uh. <laughs> Street where it could be creative. That's all we had it was free thought. Me was afraid of nothing. You know what I mean? So like, mm. it's like there was no option but to win. You feel me? Because like, mm. we was able to think clearly. We didn't think like, why couldn't this not happen? No, this is gonna happen. Like, no, like, what do you mean this can't happen? What do you mean I can't put clothes, my name on clothes and be better than everybody else out there? No, this is gonna happen. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. because we were able to think clearly. You feel me? A lot of times, mm. you know. You hear people tell you, oh, you can't do this. Oh, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't listen to those people. Because, like, how? Don't listen to people. If you're doing legal stuff, why would you listen to anybody with your ideas? You got to go out there and manifest these things yourself. Listen, cars are created off a of thought. Electricity was created off a of thought. So many things are created off of somebody just thinking. Imagine somebody would have told you, I could make electricity. You'd be like, you crazy. How are you going to make electricity? Boy, you crazy as hell. But you know what? Somebody did it, didn't they? <laughs> What was the key to, 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 to creating, you know, this clothing into, how can I say, uh, I mean, I, I was going to say a brand, but man, it, it's, you know, I was in London, I was telling you when we met, and South London, Peckham, you know, one of the poorest parts of London at the time, dangerous, and all the kids were wearing Kalkanai clothes. That's how I knew of you, you know, and we were all saving up my money to wear the, the, the baggy jeans and, you know, the colored the, the tops and it was like, everything was called Kanai. And so to me, that's, that's a move. That's not just a brand. It's like a movement. It's a kind of a revolution. And uh, how, how does someone listening in, what's the elements to designing a, a, a movement uh, that, that affects culture? I mean, as you, maybe you weren't thinking about, about it at the time, but, as you step back now with the wealth of decades of experience, uh, how, how can someone create a movement? What are the keys, the elements, the, the things needed to, to create a cultural impact as you maybe sort of assess yourself in that? Yeah, I feel like, you know, I kept it really simple and I made people like what I like. You know what I mean? Like, this is the direction that I like. This is the type of clothing that I like. And because I believe in myself, they believe in me. Because my ads are strong mm-hmm. and confident and bold, they believe in me. Because my brand represented so much, so many different people. And at the time, I didn't realize 
what we were actually doing. I didn't realize at hmm. the time there were no black people in this business. There were no black sales reps. There were no black stylists. Wow. There were no black showrooms. It was none of that. We, and then check this out, even more important than everything else. This is the most important thing. But two things. When we finally got on and we partnered with Cross Colors and we finally able to get some finance behind us, we, mm. we had two different options. Typically back then, most sales reps in this industry were older guys from a different culture, repping brands, okay, to stores, to retail stores in the inner city. I'm like, I ain't gonna have these dudes repping my brand. Uh-uh, that ain't gonna happen. They don't understand what I'm talking about. They don't understand the fit. They don't understand nothing. I, mm. I, I hired all my friends. I hired all my homeboys. Anybody that had any two cents, and I hired them. We Every sales rep that we hired, they went off to work for Sean John, Mecca, mm. and Nietzsche. All these other urban companies came to get the employees that Clark and I hired because they wanted to know what the heck is this guy doing over there? How is he doing this? How is this happening? You feel me? Mm. So mm. we were able to change the trajectory for so many of our people in this industry because we didn't know we could be in this business. We didn't know we could do mm. this. Most of the reps that had no experience whatsoever in this business, but I thought they spoke well and they could represent the culture correctly. And that's the reason why we hired them. That's the reason why the industry totally changed. Because, you know, I, one other thing I tell people all the time, it takes one person that looks like you and talks like mm. you to achieve success on a certain level to make you feel like if he could do it, I could do it. And that's the whole thing mm. about Carl Kanai. It's deeper than just me. It's way deeper than me. And I know that. I know that. I know this mm. is God sent because think about it. From FUBU, Fat Farm, all these other companies. You don't think, where do these other guys think they could, they could start, they get into the garment industry and make their own clothing? Where, where did it yeah. come from? Who right. did they do this before? Right. Like, I say, just mm. imagine. I tell you, just imagine there was a, a black kid from the inner city, right? And he decided, I'm going to come up with some toothpaste. And I'm going to market mm-hmm. the toothpaste towards hip-hop. And let's say, let's say this happened. I'm making this up. Let's say this happened. Mm-hmm. He blew up. I'm a multimillionaire off a of toothpaste, right? A black kid. Toothpaste. Wow. Mm-hmm. He made it. He fucking thought, wow. Mm-hmm. What, what? You know what happened? Every other kid was like, man, he did that? Man, I want to start making my own toothpaste too. But a lot of people right. us. And, and, and there's so many other things that we could do, but it takes one of us to do it mm. first. Otherwise, we just think, oh, that's not for us. No, that's too beyond our reach. We can't mm. do that. No. How? Why should we? No. Dishwashing liquid. No. How? Who? Oh, who does that? No way. He mm. can't do that. Mm. You, don't, you understand what I'm saying? It takes somebody yes. that you can relate to to achieve success. Mm. Yeah. Then you feel, man, mm. wait, calls from Brooklyn. Where is he from? Brooklyn. Really? He didn't go to what? He didn't go to. He didn't graduate from college. What? He talks like that. Really? I can relate to the way he's speaking to me. Oh, bro, I'm gonna do it too. Straight up. That's all it's about. That's why I know. That's amazing. And it's just just with the name Kanai. Ask yourself, can I? The name. How I spoke with the name. I used to sit in my room, listening to Phil Collins in the air tonight, over and over oh, and I over love again. Phil. In there tonight, until I came up with a name for my brand, can I, was a question I used to ask myself all the time. Can I really do this? Can I come from the inner city and build a clothing brand that's going to be global? Can I, and just so many questions, can I? So I figured to myself, if I put the name can I as part of my name, then every day I have to answer that question, yes, I can. It's a final reminder of who I am, what this whole journey is about. Can I attitude? Mm. And this, you know, Obama said it. Can I? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, we all can. That's the spirit mm. and that's the energy of success in this business, in any business you want to endeavor into. Mm. I love that. When you, you mentioned success a couple of times, uh, I guess I'm wondering about your definition of success, how you define success. You know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, there's your definition of success back then when you first started. What was it? Has it shifted now where you're at? How do you see success? Because I think many folks, you know, we want this. I see a lot of people attain what they thought was success and they're still not happy and they're still miserable. So what does success mean to you? Has it evolved? Where are you you at now? How do you see it now? I say the word a lot. And I feel that in terms of business success, 
I never really got to the point where we feel that we're successful in business mentally. Mm. Because I feel once you get to that point mentally, where you tell yourself, I'm successful, I've made it, somehow, some way, I feel you may turn down your your aggressive nature, your mental stage of to how much more you need to progress and how much more you need to go. Mm-hmm. And the one brand I do respect that I grew up wearing, we wore in, in junior high school, is Ralph Lauren Polo. When I look at that oh, company, okay. I look at them because that brand always said, said prestige to us in the inner city. You put that polo mm-hmm. horse on, dudes from inner city respected you back in the days. You put that polo horse on, and I, money got some chips. You know what I'm saying? And it's all mm. it's all what it's about. And I look at Polo. Polo started a year before I was born, 1967. And Polo's mm. continued to grow. Continued to grow. Continued to build licenses. Continued to just... And Polo never got to the point where Polo's like, I'm good. He's never good. Mm. You feel me? He's mm. never good. So why should you be good? Because I'm mm. still far away from where he's at. So, no, I'm not successful. Mm. I need to be the biggest... Mm black owned brand on the planet and we got a long way to go long way to go and if you don't mm. achieve strive for that what are you striving for you think okay oh i made it because you got a million dollars you made no you ain't make nothing you ain't make nothing at all you know what i mean so i'm not trying to say mm. you have this mentality where you never enjoy your life you never enjoy things no you you do all those things but your focus got to be building all the time non-stop period that's it. Mm. Again, I go back to those things. It's either A or B. It's either you made it or you're not. If you think you made it, then you know what? Maybe time to cash out. It ain't for you no more. Mm. Just check out. You know what I mean? And it, it's okay. It's enough for everyone. You can check out. It's good. It all depends on what you want. Mm. I like it. Really not allowing yourself to just get complacent and uh, and, and really keep growing. What, what I'm also hearing is, you know, the, continue, the, the continual sort of uh, evolutionary process of stretching yourself to be more. And ultimately, you know, what I'm also hearing is, 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 is question, it's almost like questioning what you're capable of so that you can fulfill your potential. And uh, that, that, that's for me what it's really about as I'm, as I'm listening to you. I'm curious, Carl, in terms of uh, creativity, uh, you're in a creative business, you design, you create, you're a creator. Um, for decades now, and so, how? Where do you get your inspiration? And after all these years, how do you stay inspired to keep creating and not just let's say, you know, some people create and they do the same thing all the time. This works. I'll keep doing that, and it gets old. They don't innovate. They get comfortable, and so, how do you stay? on the cutting edge of stretching yourself in the creativity so that you don't just get into a comfort zone. So where and how? You know, you got to love what you do, number one. And you got to love mm-hmm. the experience and the journey of what you go through. Not only that, too, it's like, you know, by me taking the title, not taking the title, you know, by giving the title, the Godfather, the originator streetwear, what I realized, especially in life and in hip hop, no one really cares who started anything. No one cares. You know what I mean? And you, you gotta understand that. Mm. No one cares what you did back in the nineties. Everyone's mentality mm. is a Janet Jackson attitude. What have you done for me lately? Where are you at right now? <laughs> you feel me? And you gotta accept that. You gotta accept that. Mm. And I refuse. I refuse to ever go down as one of those things that was hot at one moment, but you know what? He had it, but you know mm. what, bro? Yeah, yeah, stuff fell off. He ain't around anymore. You know, did it. Mm. And you know what? We felt that energy in the 2000s. Our brand fell off in the United States. Uh, everything wasn't always Krispy Kreme for us. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. there was a point where retailers here in the States was not messing with Carl Kanai because they wanted all the newer brands that was happening. We weren't the it thing. Mm. And, you know, we had choices to make at that time. What are we going to do? We kept trying to pound the pavements, trying to make things happen in the USA market. It just wasn't our moment. But, you know, they have a saying, when one door shuts, another one opens. So we started refocusing ourselves on the international market at the time. We was like, okay, this ain't happening. Let's mm. give some energy towards another market. And that was the best thing we ever mm. did. 
now our brand is established in 25 foreign countries with a number with number three wow. selling brand in Europe is Nike, Adidas, Calcanize number three international. So next wow. week I wow. went to Europe for two weeks visiting all my stores in Europe. We're going to Germany, Berlin, Madrid, Barcelona, Italy, and London and Paris to visit all my accounts and stuff like that. And that feeling of what I felt back in the 2000s when our brand fell off here was treachering. Like it was demoralizing. But you know what I did at that time? Hey, hey this is all important to me. Mm. You know what I did during that time period? When things were the worst? Curious, tell me. When things were the worst, I got into my health thing. I tripled down on it. I, I cut out mm. every bad thing I was eating. I cut out beef, pork, starches, everything. I started getting a workout regimen. I like, okay, I realized at that time, man, this thing is really a marathon. It's not a sprint. You feel me? Hmm. You got to be in this for the long run. You mentally, you got to prepare. You, I thought at one point, oh, this is easy sell. Okay, cool. We're rolling. Everything's good. Boy, just like that, we got hit. And things Boom. changed on us. Boom. So now what you're going to do? Man up. You can do two things. You can either get fat, out of shape, you know, stop worrying about yourself, get demoralized. You say, you know what? I want to fight against this energy. I'm going to get stronger and better and better mentally and physically and everything. I'm going to be in this forever. Mm. Just go. Mm. And that's mm. what we did. Mm. That's where we're at now. Mm. That's, what we, that's what's happening so, with us right now. So, so, so Carl, during, during that time, you said things got pretty challenging. The market shifted. Business went down. Um, Maybe you know, got a little concerned. Did you did you ever feel like giving up? Like when you, you know, you said you tripled down. I'd like to hear a bit more about that. But did you ever feel like quitting and saying, you know what? Maybe we had our run. Let me cash out. I'm out of here. This is too hard. You know, I've already I've worked too hard to be in this position uh, to face these challenges. And what 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 kept you going through that challenge? Because a lot of people when they hit those challenging moments, they quit. And so mentally, what kept you going? And tell me more about any specific things you did in terms of tripling down. Mentally, again, I go back to the same thing. No options. No options. No options. No options. No options. Mm. No options. No options. Wow. In this die before failure mentality, we will not fail. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Because mm -hmm. I know I know what I'm not gonna do. I know I'm not gonna go out there and work for someone. I know that. And I'm no gonna I'm no I'm no I'm not, I'm not gonna go back to that feeling that I had my mother could not provide for me. That feeling that you get in the stomach. Mm -hmm. I remember when I used to cook rice aroni back then, right? The smell of rice aroni gives me that, that feeling again that I don't wanna feel. You feel me? <laughs> I know that. You know what I mean? And I know and I know I know there's way, there's plenty more people out there in this world who can't do the things uh -huh. that I could do. You know what I'm saying? They don't, they, they just, they have with a physical, uh, a physical injury or whatever it is. There's so many people, and if God's giving you the ability again, you need to STFU, tell your mind that, mm. and go out there to figure it out. No option. If you don't have to <laughs> sleep for two, three days, if you don't have to sleep for two, three days, granted, figure it out. Because, again, uh, go back to what I was talking about, thought, which is free. But sometimes with thought, you need space. With space, you need to get yeah. every energy away from you who's not thinking along your line. Keep them out your pocket for a while or forever, if you need be, until you figure it out. Mm. It's, in, it's so fascinating hearing you, man, because I'm hearing this theme of no options. I mean, it's almost like you, you have this mindset of a gladiator. You know, you have this mindset of a, it's like a warrior's champion's mindset. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, as I'm listening to you, hearing how important that deep, profound commitment is, because a lot of people, they want success. They want to create something uh, big in the world, but they don't have the level of commitment that you are talking about. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 I'm feeling the force of your uh, heart and mental will to just keep moving. It, it, it's powerful to feel, man. Uh, and I, I like what you just said too, called SDFU. That, that, that should be on a t-shirt, by the way. Uh, you know, well, well, I, well, I say uh, that because sometimes I got to tell myself that, you know, sometimes I, and, it, yeah. and it works. 
it works because you know uh, I feel like your mind have two different have two different people going on in there. One person, oh do it, oh no, this bed feels so good. Stay in the bed longer. No, you're tired. No, mm-hmm. you need to wait. No, you're sleepy. No, you need to rush yourself. No, then that's when the SDF music kills it. That's it. You know, I got to go. I'm about to go. Cause you know what? I never mm-hmm. seen hard work kill a man yet. <laughs> I love it, man. It's it's like a it's like a real you know spiritual practice where you are literally zen managing your mind. You know there was this I watched this fight called uh, UFC fight. I don't know if you ever watched UFC, but I watched this UFC fight. Yeah. Uh, middleweight champion Israel Adesanya. You know this guy from New Zealand, Nigeria, and uh, when he won his when he won his middleweight belt, he's like 29 years old. The, he got to the fifth round, and he he you know in the post interview he's talking about how. In the fifth round, you know, his opponent's taking him to places he's never been before. And he looks at his opponent and he has to make a decision if he's going to win this thing. And he made a decision and he kind of mouthed to his opponent and he thought in, in himself, mouthed to his opponent, I'm ready to die. And he, and he was talking about how he was literally, I thought it was crazy. And he even thought it was crazy, you know, after the fact, but he was literally ready to die in that octagon. And so, uh, it's a powerful level of mentality and powerful commitment. Tell me about um, your worst, oh, I don't know if you, I mean, maybe it's not the way to say it, but like, what is the worst business decision you've made that in retrospect you could teach us as a lesson? Like folks, don't, don't do this in business. This was like the worst thing you could do. Is there, is there a specific thing that you could kind of use as a teaching point for us, for the entrepreneurs out there uh, that would be really, really important. Worst and then best business decision. Like this was one of the well, best things you know, I did. Yeah, I would say this. I would say that I didn't take the route of going to college and graduate from college. I kind of took more of the street mentality of just taking a street mentality and then applying that to the business world. But I feel mm-hmm. like that mentality can get you but so far. I feel like when it comes to certain aspects of your business, that you need to surround yourself with people that have graduated from college, that has experience in certain areas that Mm. you may not understand because the street mentality doesn't apply to everything in business. You know what I'm trying to say? The ethics and all that Mm. is good. Like when it comes to like accounting and legal and things like that, it's always good to surround yourself with people that understands that level of 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 negotiating and things like that. They have a skill set. Yeah, they have a skill set for that. It is a skill set. You know what I'm trying to say? I have made those bad decisions probably when I was younger and just trying to figure things out. Mm -hmm. Because again, we were 21, 22 years old, figuring this out. We were running $89 million in our business with Costco's at 23 years old. You know what I'm trying to say? I was 23. Wow. You feel me? So we were just learning the game. But one thing I would tell you is that um, with hard work and dedication and focus, that you get to the promised land. And even when you get attorneys and accountants in your life, it's not like they're the smartest people in the world either. They, they just get to give you advice. But ultimately, you, you got to go with your gut on decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. And don't listen to them all the way every time if you're not feeling it. You got to go with your gut if it's your business. You feel me? Like you got to mm-hmm. still go with your gut. So I would say that college is very important. Going to school is very, very important. I didn't get a chance to do that, but I was able to surround myself with good people that had went there. That's the only reason why we're able to be successful. It's hard to do it if you don't have those type of elements in your company to get to certain levels. You want to be like a little small-time company just hustling. Yeah, it's cool. Doing your own hand-to-hand combat. But if you really want to get to the big boys, you need to step your game up with your, your team and your office and things like that. Got it. What have you learned about leadership? Because obviously you're managing, you know, designers and investors. I, I, I don't see investors, but, t- you know, employees, team, you know, marketing, different aspects of your business. And so obviously that's, that's evolved, you know, 30 years later. And so leadership, what have you learned that's important to, to empower your team, to keep morale up, to keep people inspired, you know, on, 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 on focused and, and what's what what's the key that you've learned to to, to being a good leader and, and and keeping people motivated? Yeah, to me, I feel like it's 
understanding people, understanding personalities, I think is very important. You know, I, I remember that we had one designer who used to work with me before. His name was Peter. And he was, he was gay, right? Mm. And um, very different because we didn't hang around a lot of gay guys growing up in Brooklyn at the time. Well, I didn't know if mm. they were. So it was a different relationship for me to be working with someone like that. But I liked this guy a lot. I liked him because he mm. understood my vision in terms of my ideas. And he sketched really good. Mm. Like, if I, have I had a thought in two seconds, you'd have that thought sketched out on a piece of paper. Brilliant guy, right? Hmm. Here was the key to Peter. Peter was a party animal, okay? Oh. Peter could not get up in the morning to get to work on time for his life, right? <laughs> what I realized that, and it taught me a lesson about people. It taught me a lesson about life. Mm. It taught me a lot. Life is about adjustment. Life is about adjusting mm. to people if these person can help you get you closer to your goal. You know what I'm saying? And I've worked with other people before mm-hmm. Peter. I've tried with them. You know, this guy, this guy, this guy. All day they were good. They could get here on time. They'll be there exactly when I want them. The energy and the synergy just was not there. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I've learned mm-hmm. from this man. He was able to sit across the table for me for years and be able to come up with great concepts. And I allowed Peter to come and work at 12 o'clock every day because I mm-hmm. get so pissed at him. He promised me he was going to be there by 930. He promised me. He would always come in late. And I realized every day he would come in late, it would create tension between mm. us because he knows I'm mad. And I was mad because I wanted him there on time. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But I learned to adjust. And I said, okay, I want to adjust to where Peter is. Because when he comes in at 12, he's fresh and he's ready to go. Even the days he came in at 930, he was still sleeping <laughs> mentally. Mm. His body just mm. did not adjust. Mm. So I guess adjusting to people to become a good leader adjust to people and build a strong team. If you want to build a strong team, there's no real rules as to what type of employee that you're going to hire, especially when you're dealing right. with a fashion, a fashion business is very sensitive and it's very emotional and it's very like, you know, mental mm. and it's very, you know what I mean? So all those type of things. So mm. I've learned to do that with almost everyone that I work with. I look at them from a different angle. Can they get the job done? It ain't, maybe it's not about mm. a nine to five. Even if you come in from 10 to three, or 10 to 4, whatever, can you get the job done? You right, know what I mean? Right. So I don't really go through too much on your credentials and how much degrees you got and all that. Mm. No, I want you to look me in the eye. If I could feel you and you could feel me, then we got something. And those relations have worked for me for a long time with many of the employees I work with and turn out to be the best ones because I've learned to adjust to who they are, but they still bring the A game every time they show up. Gotcha. So I'm not just getting sort of attached to your idea as a leader, but uh, meeting people where they're at. That's beautiful. Wow. Meeting them where they're at. Because you know what I realized? You can't change people. You know what I mean? Like, mm. show me another man. I'll pay him a million dollars. I'll pay him a billion dollars. Show me a man. They can give me a magic wand to change any man idea. Ain't going to happen. Mm. People are who I they love are. It. People are who they are. Uh, a couple more questions, man. I mean, you're breaking down some, some deep wisdom. A couple more questions, and I know uh, I'll let you go. But uh, since I have you here, Carl, the juices are flowing. Uh, in terms of, I mean, obviously, branding, marketing, you know, in fashion, marketing campaigns. And, and so, uh, you know, I think to take any idea, you can have the best idea, but if you can't market it, it, it no, one, no one gets to experience your book, product, idea. You know, we were talking about the book business. I mean, it's just, Marketing. A lot of it is marketing. A lot of people don't have a great product, but they're great marketers. And so, what's the what's what's the essence or the key you've learned, especially for those listening in who have an idea, a concept, a product, but they can't market it to save their life. And so, can can you share anything about the, the, any keys that you've learned to to, to marketing, becoming a good market? Uh, the key to a marketing campaign, if someone wants to take their product from nobody knows about it to have like everyone wearing, I mean, you were having Tupac and Biggie Small. Oh, I mean, everybody was wearing your clothes. So how, how, you know, how, what's the essence of like good marketing if I want to take my product out to the world? You know, when you talk about marketing, the game has changed so much in market. There's no rules to marketing anymore. You know, back in the day, mm-hmm. You used to put your ad in Vibe and Source magazine for streetwear. You're pretty much good. 
you know, now the game has changed to influencers and social media and Twitter, and Facebook, this and that. And there's so many different avenues now to learn how to market. And you just got to leave your mind open to figure out how to market and the market on a budget. Let me tell you something I did back in 1993. Mm. I used to watch the Today Show every morning on NBC with mm. Al Roker. You know Al Roker, the news guy, the weather guy? Yeah, yeah Al absolutely. Roker would be outside in the crowd telling, talking about the weather. And he says, see all these crowds of people out there. He's interviewed them sometimes, right? You see a bunch of people out there. Some people hang up, hang up signs. Hey, mom, I'm from Tennessee. Hey, mom, happy Thanksgiving. Mm. You know, people hang up signs out there. So I used to watch <laughs> the Today Show every day because I wanted to feel like a business. You know, I just felt like this is what all businessmen do. They watch the news in the morning. So I said, okay, I want to be like them. So let me watch the news. So I used to watch this thing. I'm like, wow. I see people hanging up signs out there, and I know exactly where they were. Uh-oh. Rockefeller Plaza. We used to be up there all the time. I said, hmm, what if I got somebody to go out there and hang out my name in the crowd? Oh, man. Carl can I see it? People would see it. That wouldn't cost me much. So I one of my friends, he was hustling, trying to find a job. He, you know, he had no money. I said, hey, listen, I'll pay you $50 a day. I need you to go wow. up to NBC and hold up the sign. And sure enough, every day he would go up to NBC, hang up this big-ass Carl Kanai sign. And it's so funny. <laughs> this is the funniest part. So... <laughs> One day he got there late, right? He got there late. So you have to get there early so you could be in the front. Otherwise, you just be in a crowd, mm. right? He got there late. And he knows that if I didn't see if I didn't see the sign, he's not going to get paid. He got there late. Mm. So he goes there, and he's short. All you, see is, all you see is a sign jumping up and down in the air with a guy with a clock and eye sign, right? <laughs> the whole crowd just like jumping up and down. He wants to make sure I saw the sign. And that actually got us in trouble with NBC. So NBC comes out there to him. This is look, we don't mind you being up here every once in a while. You cannot be here every day promoting this Carl Kanai jeans thing, okay? This is private property. You can't be here every day. So we gotta we gotta be laughed out of it and you know stuff like that. But that by him doing that, that helped to engage me with the company called Skechers to get my footwear deal with Skechers. So the oh. owner of Skechers store, this unique marketing I was doing. He's like, this kid must be what is this kid doing? Who does this? Who thinks of this? Who does uh, this? I said, well, I do. I did it. I'm going to do it again. So anyway, that's like, I, so I get some marketing. There's no rules. You just got to just keep your eyes open and find ways to get your product out there. Become hook or crook. You got to figure out a way to get this thing done. Mm-hmm. And if we had to do it again, mm-hmm. I'll do it all over again if I need to do it. Because there's still people out there and I'll do it again. Mm-hmm. Think, uh, thinking resourcefully is like uh, taking it into your hands. Thinking resourcefully. I, I love it, man. Listen, brother, I feel like I could talk to you forever. And uh, oh, a sound of wisdom, folks, you're listening to this amazing conversation with the, uh, the legend himself, uh, urban wear, streetwear, godfather, icon, Carl Kanai. I hope you're taking lots of good notes. Uh, Carl, uh, if, there were, if you were to look on your life, I mean, you shared, broken down a lot of, 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 of beautiful things that we can apply, uh, different, different areas of life and business and creativity. Uh, if you were to look at your life, you know, but this time, like everything, you know, I know your your father and, you know, businessman and you know, relationships, successes, failures, based on everything you've learned, if you were to, let's say, distill three key life lessons that you would say, these are the most important things I've learned in my life as a human being, that if you could only pass these wisdoms to your kids and their kids that you feel would evolve the next generation the most. I'm curious to hear what the three Carl Kanai lessons would be. I would say, number one, surround yourself with people in life that are positive, who has talent to do things that you don't know, or talent or information to do things that you don't know how to do that's going to help you get closer to your goals. Mm. I would say that Never get complacent in life and feel like you've made it. There's somebody mm. else out there that's always willing and able and ready and hungry to take your spot. That's just the way life works. Mm. It's the way it is. You look at the NFL, you look at MLB. Guys are there for a minute. The guy that's coming up from the minor leagues, he wants your spot. He's going to take it if you don't keep performing. This is the way life works. Look at the jungle. Look yes. at animals in the jungle. You know what I mean? It's always a bigger lion, a bigger cat, a bigger tiger that's going to come kill your prize. This is the way it is. 
you know, business is warfare. It's what it is. Mm. It's all it is. And that's the mentality you have to have. But you could do it with a humble heart. As I say these things, you don't go mm. out there like a gangster and be all crazy. No, you could do all these things and still be subdued and be cool about it. And I would mm. say that vision and focus is everything. Mm. If you can't see it, you can't be it. Nothing in life is to be given to you. You got to go out there and take success. I've never seen a situation unless you won lotto where success is given to you. Success is something yeah. you got to go out there and take and work hard for. But you got to enjoy yes. the process of working hard and learn to embrace the challenges of what it takes to work hard. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with embracing that. You feel me? And I think if you could accomplish those things, you may be onto something. Beautiful, man. Folks, you heard it. Surround yourself with uh, positive people that can take your vision to the next level, especially in areas you're not good at. Don't get complacent. Stay hungry. Vision and focus is everything. Learn to embrace the challenges that life gives you. You know, I'm a believer that challenges are simply uh, the universe preparing you. Uh, It's the gymnasium for your spirit, for your mind, for your soul, for your body, for your personality, to prepare you for what you are here to do. And if you're listening to this conversation with Carl Kanai, I think that's a sign that some part of you is ready for your next level. Carl, can you assign uh, just like a few seconds of like a homework assignment? Like people listen to this conversation. I want them, I want them to go and apply what you're saying. Like now, don't think about it. Don't just go do. And so what's one like small homework action? If you were like a teacher in a classroom, say, okay, folks, go do this now. Take this action now. What would that one thing be small thing create your vision where do you want to be mm. if you can't see it you can't be it everyone wants to say everyone everyone wants to say i want to be successful only successful okay successful doing mm. what what do you want to yes. do right yeah how do you want yes. to get there you can't get there if you say to me well i want to be i don't know what i want to do well you need to retract and figure out what first what's the what you know mm. what i mean and then once you find out that what Understand, it won't be given to you. Now you got to work towards that what. Whatever that what is, have a plan and work towards that what. And most important, everyone is always into instant gratification. (laughs) And life is not about instant gratification. Sometimes people think that, sometimes people think like, oh, I I tried really hard and I put in hard work and I prayed to God. And I did all these things and it didn't happen. I want to give up now. That's not the way it works. It doesn't work like that. That in the world I know. You know, other people you may have on your show may tell you something totally different. I'm gonna tell you what I know. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing's yeah. given to you. There's been plenty of nights that I've tried and I prayed and I've been there and it just didn't happen when I wanted it to happen. But you know what? It mm. will happen. But you gotta stay dedicated mm. and focused and believe. Believe in your destiny, mm. believe in your journey. And mm. you gotta ask yourself. After a week is up, right? Add up how many hours you slept. Add up Uh-oh. how many hours you spent on gossip. Add up any, how many hours you spent towards your goal. And you'd be surprised mm-hmm. if you really add it up and see what you come up with and see why things may and may not be happening for you. Feel me? Now, that right there is so simple, but it is, folks, that is a reality check. Because many times we say, oh, I did everything. And we did like three things, you know, that's not everything. And so, folks, you heard it, homework assignment from uh, Carl Kanai. Carl, I've loved this conversation, brother. I mean, you're a fan of wisdom and uh, just thank you for pouring so generously into everyone. And folks, I hope you're taking lots of notes. And, you know, I, Carl, I'm waiting for, for, you know, you need to write a book. And so uh, uh, I know you don't have a book yet, but uh, I'm waiting for your book, man. I'll be the first one to buy your book. Because uh, I think you have so much wisdom as a blueprint of possibility uh, to share with people. So much wisdom. So thank you so much. And you know, what what's the best way people can like find out about your work? Like whatcalkanite dot com website and, and and all of that good stuff. Yeah, is that, is know, that the best website? Yeah, carlkanai dot com. You know, our Instagram is at carlkanai, and our Twitter is carlkanai. Facebook is carlkanai. We keep it really simple. Just K A R L K A N I. And you got us right mm. there. I love it. I love it. And we'll, folks, we'll post uh, Carl's website on the, sh- on, on the show notes. 
check out what he's up to, his creativity and his clothing. For me, it's a movement more than just, just fashion. It's, it's really, uh, I think for me, he stands as a, as a possibility uh, for, for us all in terms of taking our dreams and visions and turning it into reality and showing us there's no, there's no excuses whatsoever. So, Carl, I want to thank you, brother. You know, as a 13-year-old kid, I used to wear your clothes, man. And uh, you've been an inspiration for many years. So it's a pleasure, honor to, to know you, connect with you, have you on the show today. Folks, send me, uh, send me an email, kublaxon, kublaxon.com. I want to know your key takeaways from today's show. Also, the Get Real exercise that Carl just said as a homework. Go do it. Let me know the results. And uh, we'll catch you in the next episode of Soul Talk, everybody. Much love. Brother Carl, thank you. And everyone, make sure you download this episode, share it with your friends, and uh, post it on social media. Much love. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.